Hi everyone, you're listening to the Misplays podcast where we look at bad solutions to challenging systems. I am your host, Alice White. And I'm your co-host, Abby. In this episode, we'll discuss the woke culture shit list. What is it? Who's on it? What happens to shitlisted people? Those are the questions we want to explore. So what do we mean by shit list? Well, that just means that there's a particular person, usually some kind of content creator, uh, and I use that word, you know, very loosely. It's it's supposed to be art, it's artists, uh, but we call them content creators, and it's usually some content creator that has been, you know, canceled or is um, more criticized than other people uh, in the same sort of vein. And it, it's always in the context of somebody who is in fact well-meaning or somebody who is an actual leftist, like as in they believe in, uh, they're they're anti-capitalist. Let's just say you have to at least be anti-capitalist, right? So a lot of left tubers, YouTubers who have a leftist agenda on their channels. And, uh, you know, so the really common one, of course, is ContraPoints Mm -hmm. with Natalie Wynn as the host there. And uh, so she made this, this video that we saw it was called Shame. And we watched this video and Natalie talks about how she's actually gay, which of course, you know, we all knew that, we honey. Knew that. Yeah. <laughs> Welcome to the club. Yeah. You, 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 you now know what we've all known all along. And she says, I used to be like this. And then she gives this detailed account of, you know, believing that the, the cat girl trans girls <laughs> on the left are, you know, uh, too, too sexual and weird to normal people and that she was very judgmental about this. And she presents it in a very apologetic manner. And one of the first things I saw about this video from like a group of people I know are actually level headed was a criticism about this as though it were not presented as an apology. Yeah, taken completely out of context. Right. And that's because she's on a shit list, right? She's been she's been accused of like wanting non-binary genocide, unironically. <laughs> uh, I've seen this, actually, somebody tried to silence me. They're like, you know, I'm, I'm non-binary and I say that this is true. And well, okay, so the thing is I'm non-binary also. Same. Right, so we're both non-binary girls, she, her. And uh, we've had other non-binary people angrily shut us down when we ask what in the world they're talking about with this whole ContraPoints hates non-binary people or in some cases literally wants non-binary genocide or there's many other things such as like uh, Natalie is an anti-Semite. Which I can attest to the opposite of being a Jew. Right. So... Abby is a Jew, <laughs> and uh, she's saying that Natalie's, like, not... Yeah, no. yeah, like, she's... Like, to say that Natalie is an anti-Semite or a Nazi or anything is like saying that the fucking... The actors in Inglorious Bastards who played the Nazis are actually Nazis in real life. Right, Just right. because you, uh, you know, take on the persona of a Nazi for argumentation's sake doesn't mean you actually espouse those views. I think the exact uh, comparison that I made was that the Captain America movie, the first one, yeah, the first adventure, where Captain is going around while he's still just like a spectacle and he's not a real hero yet, dressing up as Captain America, going on stage, doing these like uh, burlesque shows, and, <laughs> and a, a dude like dressed up as Hitler, and this is during the Third Reich, dude dressed up as Hitler is on stage spewing garbage mm-hmm. and then Cap like sneaks up and bashes him, knocks him unconscious. It would be like saying the dude who plays Hitler in that is a Nazi or is an anti-Semite because he took on a role wherein he was being, you know, where, where he as the, the, the one taking on the role of the Nazi is being destroyed. And, and I feel like it's a huge contradiction to say that like the the things that people do for whatever sake are essentially who that person is and then like when someone tries to talk to you about it and and you just like completely disregard 
anything that they say and do, like like how you said, other non-binary people have tried to silence us, even though we're non-binary non-binary ourselves. Like they don't see us as other people with other viewpoints. They just see us as like an obstacle. Right, because we're not unified with them. We don't have this homogenous viewpoint that they have. They stay in their niche circles and they say, this is the party line. You will tow this party line. And if you don't, then you're then you're not non-binary. You, of course you're not non-binary. You would, uh, you, you would tow the line if you were NB. It's, it's NB status quo. It is. Uh, and in fact, NB status quo is why it took me so long to realize I was non-binary. Me too. And so I struggled for a really long time thinking, oh, I'm just a woman, but like really bad at it or just like really lazy. And then I realized, no, uh, a lot of my dysphoria came from being seen as a woman, just like a lot of the dysphoria came prior to transition, being seen as a man. And they're both pretty bad. <laughs> they they yeah, didn't, yeah. didn't appeal to me either way. Uh, so... It was funny because in the whole context where uh, Natalie was talking about how they, them feels like a misgender to her, like she doesn't like those pronouns. Uh, in that whole thing, the whole blow up and explosion where she's on the shit list and stuff, I thought this is interesting, I guess. And then you had a specific reaction. Did you mean when I was just like, I decided I'm NB and this is not <laughs> yes. NB phobia. This is not NB phobic because I am NB. That's what you said. Yeah. Yeah, because like for the longest time, you know, considering myself a trans girl or trans woman, whatever, like it I feel like it came with this like huge set of expectations for like how you should want to transition, what body parts you want to have, like, the the whole shebang. But, like, when I thought about it more and started seriously considering being NB, those, like, pressures just started to fade away, and I was, like, a lot more comfortable with my body because it was just me. Right. It's this process of elimination of gender yeah. discovery rather than oh, I like these things, I must be this gender, you know? So that was always the problem that I had with NB-ness. Like, because the, the, the market for non-binary, and yes, unfortunately, there is a neoliberal market for mm -hmm. non-binary, it kind of convinces you that you have to be AMAB, but look kind of femme, but not too femme, and you should have kind of short hair, and it should have a weird color, and kind of be in this bizarre style, and you should wear like these kind of shirts and there should be aspects of both femininity and masculinity in you. And that's, you have to be this way. And if you're AFAB, it's like the same thing, but you have to lean more into the mask part of it I, to the point that you almost look butch. I feel like it's kind of script shopping. Like, yeah. like you're born with a certain script. And then at one point you're like, wait, I don't like this. I, I want a different one. And then, then you see all these other ones online. I mean, usually it's just like, one or two like yeah. you see the trans girl script and you're like oh this one fits me more but yes. then as you experience that script more and more it's like well there's some things i don't really like on this and then like eventually like the highest level of wokeness is like oh highest i don't actually level. need a script <laughs> right exactly i can just be myself i can make my own script your, your own gender um that that actually gets to what i was trying to like kind of pull that to a point which is the, the typical way that you're supposed to be non-binary did not fit me. Like you're supposed to be agender or like multi-gender, some kind of fluid or something like that. Yeah. And of course, those are fine ways to be. But I was seeing that being reinforced in trans circles, um, binary and non-binary alike. And I was seeing that start to be reflected in the larger queer movement, if you can call it that. Um, I was seeing it reflected even in like supposed ally spaces, just like where, where you just basically have like cishet white people and mm -hmm. they're, they're for queer people and they're just saying 
you know, this is basically a non-binary person and this is how they are. And they always use they, them. And so the fact that I was really uncomfortable with they, them, and I was only comfortable with she, her, and I was only comfortable presenting on the femme side, that made me think, oh no, I can't be non-binary. Like there's so many times I said, I can't be non-binary. But it's a process of elimination. It's not like you go find what actually fits you. When you're, when you're envy, it's process of elimination. I mean, I would say that kind of all gender is to a point, but, yeah. but like even more so when you're, when you're NB, because you're going to end up trying multiple binary solutions. Yeah. Well, it's like, you know, when, when you think about being non-binary, it's like, well, well then anything is fair game. Like any mm -hmm. presentation, any traits you want, you can pick from whatever you want, but like binary and cis and and even, you know, trans girl and trans guy to an extent, those all have, like, um, like a pool that you can choose from to kind of fit into that narrative. And what you're saying there, where it just has all of these different potential properties, non-binariness, is probably why it's so transitory. Mm -hmm. And if you're not familiar with that, essentially it's just where you transition, but you're not, you know you're not cis but you don't know what's going on yet. And so maybe you come out as non-binary. In fact, the subject of this video, ContraPoints, Natalie Wynn did that in a video. She came out as non-binary, but at the time she didn't really know what was going on. In fact, in the shame video that we watched, she actually mentioned this. Mm -hmm. She didn't know what was going on. She thought she was just a man who sometimes cross-dresses. And so that made her, I don't know, non-binary. And so she started to like kind of get more of a a feel for what was going on with her gender and then she's like nope i'm binary and then in another video like way later she goes i think i'm non-binary as as justine a character and then another character tiffany i think it was says no honey you're just gay and in this shame video she comes out as gay <laughs> right so i this is what i'm talking about so when we say that this situation with natalie blew up and it caused um, Abby to realize she's NB, NB femme, and then asking her like, what what does that mean to you? And being open minded and 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 just kind of hearing her out instantly let me know that I was non-binary too. So that journey was only possible because there was this discussion, and I'm not saying therefore that the the way that they went about it was good. No. Uh, everyone who participated in this garbage was harassing yeah. Natalie. And she has been harassed to the point of she's not on Twitter anymore. She can't really use social media. She actually had lost several real life friends over this. And people were attacking her like online friends. Oliver Thorne, the host of Philosophy Tube, and so on. People just getting attacked over this. Mia Mulder was getting attacked over supporting Oliver when he wouldn't come out against Natalie. And Mia Mulder is non-binary. At least that's what I know from the last video I checked. This was like on top of, um, or I think maybe the main subject actually was the fact that she brought on uh, Buck Angel to, to voice a, a five second right. fucking like uh, quote in uh, Opulence. For those of you who don't know, Buck Angel is a trans man and he's also a porn star and he's pretty well known you've probably even seen a photo of him even if you've never heard his voice which to be honest not exactly the most recognizable voice yeah pretty pretty blended in with any other man and, and to my ear anyway and uh i thought it was kind of weird because there's like a whole other layer to this which is where it's oddest like, oh, yeah. we, we're doing a podcast, but we want to provide a, a transcript because we're also both, like, hard of hearing. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of oddest to say, like, oh, Buck Angel quoted you or quoted some other thing for your point. Um, and Buck Angel did things that we don't like because, you know, there's a whole thing with Buck Angel where he did stuff and people didn't like it. And it was it was transmedicalist or whatever. Not really the point, right? Because he's just voicing a line. Yeah. It could have been a written essay and there would be no right. vocal quotation. It's not irresponsible and it sure as hell not platforming. Stop using that word. You're just 
you're overusing the word platforming. <laughs> That's not what platforming means, okay? So Buck Angel does, d- delivers this line and everyone just loses their shit. And it's kind of oddest because like, again, if it was just closed captions, you would have no idea mm-hmm. that this person was saying this. And you have to like, honestly, wait for the credits to even see that, watch them, catch it, and then know who that is because who knows what the hell Buck Angel sounds like? I mean, I guess I don't, but maybe if you're obsessed and you just stalk him, you know what he sounds like, maybe. Anyway, so she's canceled, and then she hates non-binary people because Buck Angel, even though she's trans, and even though she was at one point an an identified non-binary person, and maybe she still is, and we don't know. That's the thing. You can't really criticize people um, where you don't really know what's going on with them. I mean, she didn't know. She was gay for a while. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure a lot of people criticized her as being heteronormative and she's gay. So, yeah, but she was heteronormative. And that's kind of the whole point of the shame video is that she has been shamed by society into acting heteronormative. And when that happens, you could be shamed into act, being act, forced to act binary, right? And that's what happened to me. I felt like it was shameful to be NB and like people would... If I, if I don't, like, go really hard into femininity, people are just going to throw me into masculinity. Like, I have to resist with every fiber of my being mm-hmm. being thrown into masculinity. And the only way to do that is to push as far from as possible. But now I know I don't have to do that. It was kind of the same way for me, like, to, to broach kind of a sexual topic of, like, top versus bottom. Like, for so long I wanted to identify as strictly a bottom because that was less dysphoric for me for obvious reasons. Um, and there was like, you know, this trans girl culture is so obsessed with these labels for obvious reasons. Um, but it was hurting me a lot in, in my sexual, you know, encounters. And now that I've kind of dealt with that, I don't, I don't use those labels anymore. And I feel like it's a lot healthier for me I totally agree. Um, when we use labels, they need to be something that's not just descriptive, but doesn't also become prescriptive. And I feel like a lot of the these, you know, attempted descriptive labels end up becoming prescriptive and you just think like, oh, this is my new framework. This is my new point of view. I can only be this thing. So this probably should wrap up because we're getting into about 18 minutes here. Um, but that's the background mm-hmm. on the subject. So we realized our gender because of the thing that happened with Natalie. Obviously very, um, this this person's work has been, you know, pretty influence of, influential to me and influential to you, Javi. Yes. And uh, in her video, Shame, one of the first things I hear is this criticism that she presents her dislike of the, the cat girl, the cat trans girl trope, right? And she presents it as a bad thing. She presents it as judgmental. She said she was judgmental. And she says she's no longer that way. And she does this in a very apologetic manner. And people I know who are well-reasoned, level-headed people, who don't normally attack her and in fact normally defend her from ridiculous nonsense like the she's, you know, she wants envy genocide and she's anti-Semitic and all these other things, which, you know, envy people here saying no and... uh, Abby here saying not anti-Semitic. Yeah. Right. So it and, and that's that's where like different people are gonna disagree. And that's fine because people are not a fucking monolith and you can't just say the minorities say this. <laughs> that's nonsense. Right? There's no minority report on the absolute truth of a situation. Different people have different takes. That's actually what this whole channel is about. It's about bad solutions to challenging systems. And a challenging system is not gonna have like one root solution every time. You just look at speed running. Like the first thing that goes is the the orthodox solution. That's like the <laughs> first thing that goes in order to maximize your speed in the game mm-hmm. is you you fuck walls, just clip through them. Yeah, fuck going through a door and ending up on the other side of it. Right. I'm gonna go through this door is that garbage? after like 
backflipping three times and playing some weird shit on my ocarina, and then I'm going to end up in Ganon's castle. Exactly. You think outside the box. So what we want to do here is we want to think outside the box and come up with solutions. So one of the things I noticed was right after we watched that video, we watched another video from a different YouTuber who's pretty popular, but it's like, you know, one log 10 level below logarithmically, you know, so divided by 10. And... It was on their alternate channel. So again, probably not that popular, but popular enough that people I know will have watched this video. And so I saw people, you know, criticizing this and I mentioned, I'm not gonna say the name of this person or their channel because I don't want anybody going and harassing them over this. But they said, um, they basically explicitly shamed people who call their wives or partners mommy. You know, like the whole daddy kink or whatever. Mm. And so he does this through Reagan and Mike Pence, like Ronald Reagan and Mike Pence, who both did this, and then wraps up this whole conversation with all conservatives are sexually fucked up because, you know, these two conservatives say, say mommy to their wives. And I've never really liked, by the way, the criticism of Mike Pence that, oh, he calls his wife mother, so that makes him a weirdo. No, what makes him a weirdo is that he wants to, like, kill gay people yeah he wants to torture torture the gay out of people which is ridiculous that's what makes him a monster not that he calls his wife mommy okay and the same thing with reagan like what makes him a weirdo is not that he calls his wife a mommy it is all of the horrible things that he did so i didn't yeah. i didn't like that and i also didn't like the essentializing of all the conservatives and i am far from a conservative apologist but, like, it's the same thing that the conservatives do to us. They look at the shit we do and say we're weirdos for being queer, for being gay, for being, you know, non-binary and fucking dressing however the fuck we want to. It's like, Right, so how we should you... do it right back to them, of course. <laughs> it, it doesn't make That'll you work. more accepting. It doesn't make you better than them to do that. Like, they're real... Yes. They're real fucking, like earth-shattering things that you could complain about these people have done like i i imagine believe i actually imagine that the reason why nobody cared or said anything is because it was conservatives and they're well known for all of the monstrous things that they do yeah it's like oh well this isn't really that big of a deal let's go ahead and criticize them for them it's kind of like when the the liberals were like orange man bad instead of talking about the actual bad things trump was doing or they'd be like he he didn't give people real food he bought them mcdonald's and that just made him sympathetic to the working class yeah that's just ridiculous don't do this you're gonna backfire and this is gonna backfire this kind of thing would backfire so to continue i have this pre-written thought here i'll just read out it shouldn't be about who you shame that gets people correcting you but what you're shaming. This is in line with what Natalie said in the shame video. So anyone can have any kink, regardless of who they are. And insulting an individual or a group does have some weight, of course. You can't just go around insulting marginalized people and that be okay. And it doesn't make it automatically okay, on the contrast, when you insult a hegemonic group. Right? Because mm -hmm. if you're not doing it for something that is essential to them, then that's a problem. Right? Like if you're insulting US hegemony for being white, that's fine because it is largely white. Mm -hmm. But you wouldn't want to insult the US hegemony for being like this, like for having a kink of calling their wives mom. Like that's not true about all of them and that's going to be true about a lot of working class people in fact there are more working class people so it's going to be more true about them on average assuming this is like randomly distributed but i'm sure the implication here is no people in the hegemony are more likely to do this weird sick fucked up thing because i don't like it and that's really the whole problem it's you're shaming people in the same class as you as being like these people in a different class mm -hmm. And so you're convincing those people, if you're, if you're this and this, that's wrong. You can't be that. So if you are, if you have this kink, if you have some sort of like mommy kink or daddy kink or whatever, then you, you're a conservative. You, you can't be 
like a, a progressive liberal socialist whatever else other thing you think is the opposite of a conservative you can't be those and that's essentially what that does this is why i didn't want to say the name of the channel because i, I rip pretty hard into this idea and if this convinces someone i really don't want them going out and attacking this guy yeah because he doesn't deserve it it's the whole thing we're talking about like you shouldn't just fucking attack people right so anyone can have this kink okay when it comes to attacking someone over something that isn't related to their essence, that's overly condemning. And what do I mean by that? So when you attack trans girls for being cat girls, right? Not only, the, there obviously there are a large contingent of trans girls that are cat girls. And if you say otherwise, you haven't been on the internet. <laughs> but there's going to be a contingent of, of binary and cis girls who are cat girls too. So when you make this attack, it's not about the, the group that you seem to be attacking. It's about the kink. And that's the real problem that she had. And that's why, of course, I'm sure she presented it apologetically. Like, that's not fair to do. But this other video exists too. And it existed first. This video was published months before the shame video, which was just made yesterday or just published yesterday. And so what I have to say about that is because your words target one group, the conservatives or the trans girls, which so that may or may not be acceptable, but your sentiment targets basically everyone from every group with the same kink or quirk, mm -hmm. i.e. mommy and, and daddy fetishists. Like I have called my partner mommy, <laughs> right? That's like a thing you can do and it doesn't have to be weird. Uh, what about everyone who calls their partner daddy, right? And uh, the truth is, condemning a thing from oppressed group, like oppressed group A, gets a lot more reactions than condemning a thing from all groups. That's where we get those angry, visceral reactions, regardless of the fact that the first is a subgroup of the second. So like oppressed groups are a, a subset of all groups, of course. Um, so you, if you condemn something that applies to all groups, you're not only condemning the subgroup. But if you do both, if you condemn the kink with the subgroup, that seems to be what gets people upset. Mm -hmm. And it, I would that would totally make sense. And I would totally understand that if what you were saying was these two are connected in a large way and yeah. it wasn't true. Right. Like like if it actually were not true and you're basically just controlling the narrative and making these people look bad by association. I could understand going, OK, you can't essentialize a whole group like you can't essentialize trans girls as being like cat girls. But that's not the criticism I see. The criticism I see is like. Why are you saying these people do this thing and then that that's bad? Well, my criticism of that criticism is the problem is the kink shaming. The problem is not the group. Yes, it is going to inordinately harm marginalized people, but whether the person targets marginalized people or not, it's still going to harm them. Just like in the other video for the channel that shall, shall not be named, where he was saying, you know, conservatives, Mike Pence and, and Ronald Reagan and, and then all conservatives, have this creepy and parental incestuous kink about calling their wives and partners mommy. Well, that's still going to hurt marginalized people, whether you target them explicitly or not. And it's such an uncritical viewpoint, right? Like you're not willing to look at this behavior and, and think about what kind of harm it does, if any, you're just, you're, you're, attacking people based on your instinctual disgust of whatever behavior or you know activity they're doing that's why we say don't don't kink shame in the first place like your your instinctual disgust about something that's that's not an excuse to like attack another person for something that they find to be kinky you can't control what the fuck you find to be attractive yeah, and it's largely like a societal influence informing that disgust. Like, 
a lot of the people who do this kind of shit are gonna be are gonna find out later that they're actually into that and they've been shaming themselves their entire lives that's not helpful to anybody this kind of goes with that whole narrative we were just talking about later finding out you are a group that you have been I don't know, excluded from or deliberately excluding others from. That's that's kind of a thing. Like, if you don't leave that open for yourself, you're going to feel one day what it's like to be on the other end of that. And in this case, I feel left out of in these spaces because of the narrative about non-binariness. And other people are going to be, are going to feel left out of your space if you're shaming their kinks. They're not going to say anything to you they're going to be silent about it and they're just going to feel ashamed and uh, move on with their day. So you'll just get to hurt somebody and then they won't be able to tell you, Hey, that hurts. They may not even be able to articulate that. But on top of that, you're, you're essentially doing something. It's really a microaggression. Mm -hmm. You're really doing something. that's like a microaggression and they may not be able to understand that that microaggression is occurring that if they do, that it's okay to speak up, and that if they feel like speaking up, you'll even listen. Especially if you come at it from this, this applies to this group of people, and it's like, well, this person isn't part of that group of people. So they feel even less able to stand up for themselves. It's taking a, a stance of moral superiority, which effectively silences people because you can just say when you get any pushback, like, you're immoral. What you believe is wrong and harmful, and you don't have to actually examine that in any detail. You can just say it and and make someone feel bad or, you know, get someone dogpiled on. I'm sure a lot of people are going to listen to this and be like, well, the, the point of the conversation was contrapoints, and you're bringing up this other channel that's just what about is a... And it's like, no, that's really not what aboutism. Um, that is not how a comparison works. What aboutism would be, this person did a bad thing, and then you say, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about this worse thing a different person did, and why aren't you condemning that? Well, that's what aboutism, and a comparison is we are inordinately attacking this person but we don't do that with this person person b over here and what makes the difference between the two is it just because one is more famous than the other i mean being more popular being more famous and having more um marginalization groups about you or whatever like being gay and being trans in the case of natalie will make you more likely to be on the shit list, mm -hmm. right? But it's not just those things that gets you on the shit list. It's not just having more followers. It's not just having a longer total runtime. And it's not just having all of these marginalized things. It's going against what woke culture says that you are supposed to be allowed to do. And woke culture says it's totally okay to criticize conservatives for whatever reason. You can criticize them for having a bad spray tan, and that's valid. But all the other people who aren't conservatives with bad spray tans, they're getting thrown under the bus too. We're just shaming people for having a bad spray tan. That's ridiculous. That's nonsense. It's the same ableist shit that I talk about when I talk about ableism. Um, you're not considering how this intersects with other people. That my friends, is intersectionality. A word that is thrown around a lot, but nobody seems to know what the hell it means. It's where you actually consider how power intersects with other groups. And you don't just go, orange man bad. Trump is awful for many reasons other than being orange, <laughs> okay? And the same thing goes with Natalie. There are things that I could criticize about her channel, but I have to temper those criticisms and not say them most of the time because I'm worried that somebody will take it and throw it into this big thing on social media. Like the next day I'm gonna wake up and that's being used as a weapon. And they're just minor criticisms too. So it, it just seems like, oh, well, it's not really worth it. And so then my voice gets silenced. 
And it's about things that's dear to queer theory, right? So what you're really doing is you're silencing queer voices because you're silencing a queer voice and you're, you're silencing her. She's queer. She has a queer voice. She's talking about queer issues, not in the way that you like against woke culture, saying the things that you're not allowed to say according to the woke culture. And then you're, you're silencing her, which of course makes me want to not join in because I can't be for that even if I have a minor criticism, which means I'm being silenced too. So it's always interesting to me how no matter what the hegemonic power system wins, no matter what the scenario is, the hegemonic power system wins because you're using the shit list. When you just assume that somebody must be bad because they've been accused of being bad enough times, it's like, oh, eventually they're gonna do something bad. Nobody's perfect, right? We're gonna find something. And then you just go, oh, well, maybe it's this time. And then you just like let out this ridiculous criticism that comes from nowhere. Then people like me, who don't believe that way, have to step in and say something. And then, of course, get accused of whataboutism and defending somebody and whatever nonsense. So we see here that nobody else made this comparison between this older video from a slightly less popular YouTube maker and Natalie. The difference is this other person is not on the shit list. They're barely on most people's radar. When they are, it's usually good things. And Natalie is on the shit list. I mean, she has been for quite a long time now, and that's what we've been talking about this whole time. And I don't think it's fair. I don't think shit lists make any sense, especially when they're aimed at the left constantly. And so I made the comparison because the difference between presenting your shitty judgmental idea of, a, of kink or, or how people are going to be, whatever that is, as bad, judgmental, and being apologetic for it, and then doing it as a matter of course, those are night and day. And yet the one that I'm seeing a lot of criticism on is the one that is presenting it in this sort of way where a, a marginalized group is mentioned. And I said earlier, that seems to be what gets the reaction, especially if it is a marginalized voice doing it. What I think is when Natalie presents this in the context of, you know, my bad, that that's a lot better than this whole kink is bad and it's all about conservatives and all conservatives are crazy. And, you know, obviously this person didn't mean that when they did this, but when you say that, that's, that's just literally what you said. Yeah. Um, so that's, you know, all I can really go off of. And when you apologize for something by saying this is what i did even if you technically don't have anything to own up to because i don't believe she ever said those things in public um, they just kind of came off passively in her justine versus tabby video where she had no real criticisms against tabby except for her look but justine didn't have any real criticisms um obviously that came from a real place that real cis libs think because justine is supposed to be a cis liberal for those of you who think that is somehow natalie's opinion um but natalie's opinions do slip in there in both sides because it's her dialectic and it's written by her and she's apologizing and owning up for something that you probably didn't know she believed so i'm not really sure how exactly that's supposed to be harmful and i heard somebody call that hanging a lampshade on it to excuse the behavior and it's like, no, that is not what hanging a lampshade means. And just because you used a trope from TV tropes does not mean that it's bad or that it's somehow insincere. If you did hang a lampshade on the apology, it would still potentially be a sincere apology. You're, you're Really, if you say crap like that, you're just setting it up so that the next time a marginalized person has to apologize for something and then say what they do, you can call it hanging a lampshade and continue to berate them for it. Because this is always going to hurt marginalized people. It's not going to hurt Steven Crowder. No. It's not going to hurt T Tucker Carlson, right? These are not tactics you can use against them because they don't work. They're not cancelable. The people you should be able to cancel the most, you know, and for very poetic definitions of the word cancel, <laughs> they, you, you can't. And so these tactics don't work against them. Who do they work against? Marginalized people. What do harassment tactics work against? Marginalized people. 
So when you do this crap, you're just contributing to a very anti-minority culture, anti-trans, anti-gay, anti-ace, oddest culture, ableist culture, all of the words. And, and these people, a lot of them rely on income from like Patreon and you know their their viewers who can be heavily influenced by this kind of behavior this canceling you know shit <laughs> like people can drop subscriptions and make this person lose a lot of money i mean people have been like had their accounts hacked and lost I significant say, amounts of money for stuff like this i want to say that in the canceling video natalie actually said that she lost some patreon subs due to i'm sure the explosion that occurred and i will say this it was disgusting for people to hack angie speaks yeah uh pay paypal account as uh, she re she she was removed of something thousand dollars like, i'm pretty sure wow and i think she yeah. said it was it was like an entire patreon pay period or something like that she was fucked up for like an entire month and it was locked like, she couldn't get into her account as well. And you may think, oh, this hacking was done by, like, um, astroturfing conservatives. No, it was done by people who have Twitter accounts with a long history of leftist rhetoric and, you know, woke culture brand about them. And you're not going to fake that for a really long time just to hack one YouTuber and then own up to it. Yeah. And Steven Crowder and, you know, like, Ben Shapiro, well, I don't know if Ben Shapiro sells merch, but Steven Crowder sells merch, and his, like, followers aren't gonna give a shit if someone oh, tries no. to say that he's problematic yeah. for some reason. He's not gonna suffer. Not only will he not suffer financially, but every time he gets supposedly cancelled from whatever platform he's on, he makes a killing. Oh, yeah. He gets a ton more merch. But when marginalized creators are supposedly cancelled... I say supposedly because you can't really cancel somebody. That's not really what that word means. Um, but when a marginalized creator is harmed financially through these sort of means, they're actually going to be harmed. And it, nobody actually successfully hacks Ben Shapiro's PayPal account. Like, when have you ever heard of that occurring? Just think about that for a moment. How many conservative, um, like, or, or just like right-wing pundits or just big talking heads that absolutely want to destroy you and your life as a marginalized person. How many of those people have you heard getting their account hacked? I don't really hear of that at all, but I heard Angie Speaks getting her PayPal account hacked and money stolen. Mm -hmm. And she's a black woman. So it's not acceptable to do that to anybody, but it's sure as hell not acceptable to do that to a person of color, a woman of color specifically. And it didn't just harm her, but she lives with her boyfriend, I think, uh, Jake. So that that affected both of them for that entire period that they, you know, had to recover from from that. Yeah, I didn't even know that. So that's good to know. Uh, this this of course was all over the fact that she didn't disavow Peter Coffin, who didn't disavow Laura Bailey, and it all goes back to people decided that she's on the short the, the shit list that Lorelai Bailey is on the shit list. And so people have now decided that Natalie Wynn is on the shit list. Anyone, somebody can actually do something bad to get on the shit list, not just something that is against, you know, the woke culture's script of what gets you on it. Um, but what we do to people on that list is abhorrent. Mm. And it always seems to target marginalized people, right? Lorelai Bailey is a trans woman. Peter Coffin is an agender, transgender YouTuber. Natalie Wynn is a gay trans YouTuber. And Angie is a woman of color YouTuber. Why is it that the shit list seems to inordinately affect these people? Because that is what it was designed to do. This is a neoliberal system, meaning it follows market dynamics. They decide what is in vogue in the market. What is the fad? What is fashionable? 
What does the market demand? And if you don't supply that demand, they will attack you because it is in demand to attack as well. That's the real trick here. Woke culture isn't about being supposedly woke, right? It's about wearing the badge of wokeness, being a brand. That's what we're dealing with here when we fetishize the aesthetic of the left over the material conditions of being anti-capitalist. And make no mistake, people like ContraPoints are materially anti-capitalist. She may use opulence as an aesthetic choice, but it is in fact an aesthetic choice. And neoliberalism is the inability to recognize, one of its properties is the inability to recognize the difference between an aesthetic and something that is real. So that is of course why liberalism naturally gives way to fascism, because fascism is about the ur aesthetic. So then you're taught that you have to wear the badge, you know, you have to have the, the commie symbol in your Twitter avatar or your name or whatever, and you have to use all the correct words. And when you use those words, they're magical and they make you right and they make the other person wrong. They make the other person an abuser or they make the other person, you know, homophobic or some other thing that you can come up with that may or may not actually be true. And your criticism really isn't going to reflect the material conditions of anything, but you can convince yourself that your criticism is going to like bring about justice and stop some kind of attack on marginalized people. You're making the world a better place, right? Which is individualism. That's really, you're not contributing at all. You're just causing a bunch of pain for one person. And if you're doing this in a group, that's group harassment and that is a market. That's neoliberal market dynamics. And the market is on gotchas and attention. Attention is that currency, because once you see something, seeing it again is not as interesting for allistic people. So they have a limited amount of attention because you also have a limited amount of time and you have a limited amount of times you can see a certain thing before it's old. And so attention is currency. And we're talking about a marketplace here. So this is like a, a marketplace of ideas. And uh, that's a Peter Coffin reference. But uh, really, the neoliberal idea of what is considered a woke culture is about finding a gotcha to the script, the woke script. And when you, when you go through a, a leftist YouTuber, supposedly leftist YouTubers videos, and you just like try to gotcha everything, it's really, you're, you're just CinemaSins. And yeah. CinemaSins is the er gotcha of neoliberalism, right? This is CinemaSins of social justice is really what you're doing here. So every neolib loves a good gotcha moment. And we, we live for that shit. I'm not saying we, because I am, I'm just saying like we, as in our whole society that is capitalist. Capitalism has taught us that gotchas are the sweetest nectar. They are life-giving, sublime. And CinemaSins is the lowest common denominator of that. They're just cranking them out. They're a, they're a, they're a gotcha mill. They're not even real gotchas. They're just dings, right? They're gonna CinemaSins ding you. It's like you, you, went, you went looking for things to gotcha and all you found were things to ding. And even those are suspect. But I'm gonna do it to you 63 times in your video so everyone knows how sinful you are all of this to me smacks of demographic purity tests. Um, the, the idea of you know, the liberals out there saying Bernie Sanders can't be president because he's an old white male, which of course misses the larger point that no one should be president. But if we're gonna have one, it should be based on policies and praxis. And honestly, he has the, the best policies and practice if you're a marginalized person of anyone. The exact same thing should go for social influencers. They're, they should not exist, but they do. They shouldn't definitely just all be queer or all have a darker skin color. That's useful and a good thing, but that's just margin purity. That's it. You're, you're, you're not gonna get better influencers necessarily 
as evidenced by what's happening right now. Nevertheless, we have them. So it should be about their policies and their praxis. And so a lot of people are trying to say, well, it is about their policies and practices, but that's not really what's happening here. No. It's about policing their policies and praxis and using their platform to put out your ideas because we have to toe the party line. We have to say what the, whatever NBs in this particular niche group want to be the NB party line has to be spouted off like a robot from every marginalized person and their platform. And if they don't, they'll be attacked and they'll get on the shit list. And that's what gets you on the shit list is when you don't tow one niche, niche group's party line. Yeah. And all this is to say, just, just treat people with humanity. Nobody's pure. Pureness is fake. Just attack ideas. There are toxic ideas everywhere, and you don't right. have to pick one marginalized person who may not even, like, share those ideas and, you know, hurt them for it. Just understand that people are flawed. Attack ideas, not people. That's a good note to end on. Yeah. Be fucking nice to people for once. <laughs> you you may think like, well, you can't be nice to people who are being mean to you, but really you have to like get that out of your head because they're not always being mean to you. Yeah. People are influenced by their environment and you need to take a systemic approach to these problems because these problems are a part of challenging systems like games and you can break them down and come up with good solutions, strategic solutions, or you can break them down and come up with a solution that simply appeals to a market. And if you're watching a YouTube video or something that's bothering you, like something they said uh, made you feel weird or, or gross, you can always just leave. You can. If somebody's like, you know, harassing you in person, then that's something else. You know, do what you can to survive. But it, you don't have to engage with anything on the internet, actually. Just do what you do with every conservative YouTuber. <laughs> don't watch their videos. Or if you start and you get upset, stop watching their videos. Yeah. People have to stop being fucking, like, fake left reactionaries. Just take a second to think about what you're feeling and what you want to say before you say it. And reactionary in this context means wanting to go back to the way things were before. So a leftist reactionary would be somebody who wants to go back to the way that the left was before. In other words, the status quo of leftist spaces, yeah. which of course is going to be determined not by leftists, but in fact by capitalists who have recuperated that. Mm -hmm. Yes. So short story, don't harass marginalized people, even if you think you have a really good reason. And actually sit down and think about why you're less likely to give certain people the benefit of the doubt. And why you're more likely to give other people the benefit of the doubt. Well, that about does it for our episode about the shit list in neoliberal culture. I'm Abby. Thanks for listening. And I'm Alice. Goodbye.